Good morning. You're listening to Opera for Everyone on 89.1 KHOL. It's about quarter after nine on Sunday morning, July 23rd. Looks like it's going to be a beautiful day here in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. I'm Keely Heron, and I'm here with my esteemed colleague, Mr. Grant Wright. Good morning, Grant. Good morning. I'm excited to talk about Tannhauser and Wagner today. <laughs> and I'm woefully underprepared, but you know what? That's okay. Because it's opera for everyone. Because it's opera for everyone. And really, let's be honest, does anybody listening really know a lot about <laughs> Wagner or Tannhauser or opera? I don't know. We might have the top Tannhauser Wagner experts out there. We might have like Knight of the Swan tradition experts. We might have, I don't know what we got out there in the audience. All right. Well, if they're listening, they should call 307-733-KHOL <laughs> and give us a clue. <laughs> Otherwise, we're just gonna we're just gonna um, we're just gonna wander through Wagner today. So, what version of it are we listening to uh, this morning? Well, Grant, I'm so glad you asked. Today, we are listening to the Paris version of Wagner, uh, Wagner's Tannhauser, which was um, debuted in 1861, I believe, in Paris. Is that correct? sounds right uh yeah it was it's this funny thing right where they are there are a lot of different versions in fact there's more than one paris version um depending on how much you you know want to include say there's a ballet section that you know is in there and is long in some parts and short in some parts it's not extant at all in other versions of the opera it's just like it's kind of all over the place and in fact um not only did Wagner keep changing this work, he ultimately expressed that he was unsatisfied with it. Uh, and, you know, people close to him, somebody said, like, he still owes the world Tannhauser. He, he wanted to do it properly, and he never could. Um, He's just I, a frustrated artist. He was just an artist. He was just a he frustrated artist. He couldn't help artist. it. Exactly. And that's, um, I think, kind of the story of Wagner in... Kind of everything, <laughs> right? Right, because he was kind. Of, he was a little bit of a flip flopper. Yeah, he was just like he was on every side of everything, unsatisfied with everything, like changing his mind on everything constantly. Uh, his love. He life. reminds me of a certain current <laughs> political figure who some might say is constantly changing his mind. Well, I won't even dip my toe into that, but uh... <laughs> we're going to leave modern politics out. <laughs> But, but he was certainly uh, quite political in his own day. Um, but again, like, there are people who, like, look at Wagner's politics and say, yeah, he was a socialist. And people who look at his politics and say, yeah, he was, you know, a traditionalist. Some people call him just, like, anything up and down the political spectrum. Because at various points in his life, he was everywhere All of those things. up and down the political spectrum. So what spectrum. was going on during Tannhauser's time, or during Wagner's time, excuse me? So he lived in sort of the early... 1800s. Yeah, mid-19th century. Mm -hmm. um, and basically, it was the time when post-Napoleon, German nationalism had become a thing, and people were starting to talk about forming a German nation. Like, there was no country Germany at the time when it started all this. So it was sort of the Austro-Hungarian Empire and different it, little... Yeah, the Austro-Hungarian Empire in the, in the south, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the, the rule of the Habsburgs. In the north, there was the Kingdom of Prussia, which mm -hmm. 
over the course of Wagner's lifetime. Which, you know, I didn't know Prussia existed until I was like 13. <laughs> Someone said, oh, Prussia. And I was like, come on, you're kidding. You're making that up. And they're like, no, it, it was a country. I, was like, <laughs> I hung my head in shame. It's true. It's astonishing how far you can get in circles with, uh, with people not knowing, for instance, that uh, Austria was, you know, once a world empire. Um, you know, now you go to Austria. Yeah, and I'm totally this. shocked because everybody knows that Austria was a world empire. <laughs> I didn't really know that. That's okay. You go to you go to Austria and you get the shirts that say like Austria, no kangaroos, because they're just way too tired of people confusing them with Australia. Australia, which is apparently nowadays way more famous. Um, well, they got that steakhouse, you know. They do, and that uh, the blooming onion. Hmm. But getting back to Wagner. <laughs> yeah, so, so yeah, Wagner, I think you just, like, he was a, a romantic, big R romantic, the romantic period, the romantic mm-hmm. movement, I'm sure, which we'll have more to say later, because uh, it ties in with the content of the, of the opera itself. But he was, he was just very moved by emotions, and he moved from one thing to another, in romance, in politics, and certainly in art. At one point, he disavowed the whole idea of opera, made up his own German word for what he was going to do instead of operas, and then later in his life, he disavowed that. So He's like, like I'm going to take my ball and go home. This is stupid. And then he took his home and went home, and then he, yeah, so on and so forth. Just how old was of, he when he, how, like, how long did he live? Uh, was he married? I mean, what was his, what was his well, deal? Was he married? That's kind of a complicated question. Uh, he he went through a series of romantic entanglements. For one, at one point, he was living with a woman who was still technically married to her other to her husband. Well, at the time, uh, and she asked for a divorce several times and wasn't getting it. And so Wagner's like, you know what? I'm just going to keep having kids with her until you sign the divorce papers. Really? <laughs> Gosh. 1900s, they were just, or the 1800s, they were just, they were doing, they were progressive. (laughs) Well, or, or something. I mean, he was, it was, it was scandalous to everyone at the time, but, uh, you know, he was one of these artistic figures who kind of gets away with a scandalous personal life, right? Because he was charming. Was he physically good looking? Uh, that is so not beyond the scope say. of your okay. Well, <laughs> okay, I'm getting super distracted by Wagner's uh, scandalous life. Let's get back to 70, by the way, is how old he was. He was 70, yeah, that's super old for that time, isn't it? Uh, Ish, know, kind of pe- people, people lived, it's not you know, super old, but uh, but he it wasn't like he was like 170, right? Now, but he, you know, he he was there for. A pretty momentous time, right? In 1813 is when he was born. Mm-hmm. That's still, you know, in the Napoleonic era, um, you know, before Europe had shifted its borders in the, uh, you know, 1815 to closer to what, you know, they would be until uh, World War, you know, one. And then by the time he died, Germany was this massive world empire, mm-hmm. right? That had actually consolidated around the kingdom of Prussia and become a major power player uh, in in the world. You know, and never mind all the stuff that had happened in politics, you know, uh, roughly half, roughly halfway through his life, the publication of the Communist Manifesto, Origin of the Species. I mean, it was a right. momentous time. And sort of the evolution of human thinking. Yeah. Right. 
and 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 the 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 conflict between you know that enlightenment strain of thought we were talking about when you're talking about the magic flute right, right that the freemasons and others represented and this romantic strain of thought that people like wagner represented the idea of the love being, yeah something the sacred and profane love right and and <laughs> he so it's a little hard to tell with Wagner where he thinks the sacred and the profane are. Where the line right? is. Like, there are hymns to Venus in this, right? And she's supposed right. to be, like, the bad one. But there's well, also hymns to... But this whole opera is about love, right? I mean, yeah. that's what the Tannhauser was a minnesonger in the uh, sort of 11th, 12th, and 13th centuries, right? That's when this... Yeah, it kind of depends on play. which source for Tannhauser you're going with, but... Uh, yeah, he's a, he's a compilation of multiple historical, you know, historical and or literary figures. Okay, so let's get back. I want it because I do want to play some music because otherwise we could just talk for <laughs> a really long time. So let's get back to the story of Tannhauser. Um, basically, the the arc of this story is um, it's set in in Venusburg. Right, which is well, the beginning is, yeah, this part, yeah, Venusburg, the mythical realm where Venus uh, it's the German version of where Venus lives, yeah, exactly. Venus is like living under a hill there and trying to entrap wandering gentlemen, right. And so, um, as we look at sort of this act one, um. What should we listen to? There's Geliebter komm sie dort die Grot. What the heck does that mean? Uh, well, the Grot is, is Venus's grotto, the place of her sacred power. And the fundamental action of this early part of the play um, is Tannhauser's attempt to uh, escape from, from Venusburg. He tries flattering her. He tries convincing her, like, no, really, let me go. And uh, in the end, he invokes the name of the Virgin Mary and is transported immediately. The spell is broken. Really? All right, well, let's listen to a little bit more of Tannhauser. And this is uh, <clears throat> a version that was recorded in 1989 at uh, the Royal Opera House in Covent Garden with Placido Domingo in the lead role of Tannhauser. So we're getting back to the music in Act 1, and this is something called Geliebter komm sie dort die Grot, which I have no idea what that means, but it doesn't really matter <laughs> because we're just listening to it all. In I believe this is written in French, isn't it? Isn't this version the Paris version? We don't know. We'll, we'll check. Let's have a listen. <laughs>
You're listening to 89.1 KHOL Jackson. Are you working on an audio project that needs a little assistance or some better equipment to record on? Well, KHOL has a professional-grade production room and the capacity to record up to four channels into Adobe Audition for the creation of your next audiobook or acoustic music project. For more details, you can go to 891khol.org slash studio rental. Good morning. It's Sunday, July 23rd, and you're listening to 891KHOL in Jackson. My name is Keely Heron, and I'm here with Grant Wright. And this morning on Opera for Everyone, we are wandering through Wagner, right, Grant? <laughs> Absolutely. And, and what a lovely wander it is. So um, we went down a huge rabbit hole talking about Wagner and how eccentric he was and the time in which he lived. Let's talk a little bit more about Tannhauser and what's going on in this opera that was written in 1845, I believe was the Dresden debut. Yeah, and, you know, written, rewritten <laughs> uh, more than once uh, over the course of, of, uh, of Wagner life but the the overall plot remains the, the same and it's borrowed from a uh, medieval german legend the uh legend and when we say medieval we're talking sort of 11th 12th yeah 13th yeah. uh centuries ish ish it, it's it's a little confusing because the tannhauser story as presented here is a compilation of two different traditions. One is, is Tannhauser himself. There is uh, this historical figure, Tannhauser, who actually wrote poetry. We've got some of it. It continues to exist. Um, and uh, there's also this story of a uh, song contest in, in Wartburg, uh, which was, um, there was a character named uh, Heydrich in it, and that is also the character who's been smushed into Tannhauser. Tannhauser is actually never referred to by name as Tannhauser in, mm -hmm. the, in the play, mm -hmm. in spite of all the stage directions calling him that. Hmm. Um, he's only called Heydrich in the um, in the actual when, when people are talking to each other. He's called Heydrich. They yeah. they're they're like, hey Heydrich, what's up? And exactly. he's like, hey, I'm just chilling in my like 12th century <laughs> Venusberg. German version of Venus's Something. lair, et cetera. Yeah, it's you know Venusberg. Right? It's 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 borrowing from things like the Odyssey and the way that Odysseus is held captive, uh, captive. You know, mm. depending on how you want to interpret mm -hmm. that, uh, by love, by love. I'm going to say, yeah, sure, uh, by by you know the nymph Calypso, Calypso, among others. <laughs> But yeah, Cersei and, and Calypso are the two characters. Cersei, like Cersei on Game of Thrones? Uh, that's where the name comes from. Really? God, I learn so much every single Sunday, Grant. <laughs> You're just a fountain of knowledge, <laughs> dropping knowledge bombs. Uh, yeah, but don't ask me anything about pop culture for the last like 150 years. Okay, good. I, that's fine. Totally cool. I, I can more or less cover that. Okay. Okay, oh, so let's talk about Tannhauser. We're going to listen to... Um, uh, a little bit more of Act One. Do we want to just talk about what's going on in Act One? 
Yeah, so the the overarching plot here in in Act One is about Venusburg itself and uh, Tannhauser's uh, attempts to escape it. Uh, he eventually invokes the uh, the the Virgin Mary and is transported to one of her shrines outside of the place. So this is. <clears throat> Like the virgin whore thing, kind of, right? Absolutely. I mean, it's the difference. That's the sacred and the profane love. Yeah. Right? Because the profane is Venus and all the sensual, romantic ideas about love and the sort of uh, physical side of it. And right. then the Virgin Mary is the sort of sacred version of love. And so he's like, oh, my God, I'm here in Venusburg and I'm just freaking out. And I got to get out of here. It's <laughs> too much. And so eventually he's like, hey, Virgin Mary. Help a brother out. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what happens in Act One. Exactly, and and oh, I mean, uh, and and the the eventual escape and his like reacceptance into society is is how it it ends. Like there's people who wander by singing a hymn. He finds himself in prayer, and then some of his old buddies show up. I I also just want to mention about Venus. She's not exactly Venus slash Aphrodite as we meet her in Greek myth. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of these things where gods and goddesses get their names transposed over uh, cultures where mm-hmm. they try to come up with the closest cultural equivalent. Uh, the actual pagan goddess represented here is Holda, the uh, Germanic goddess of spring. Interesting. Um, and I I want to mention that because a part of what's going on here is also this question of nationalism and rootedness and the earth and so on and so forth uh, versus, you know, uh, imperium and spread of ideas and internationalism uh, as represented by you know Christianity, which is this international thing, and represented by the paganism, which is in this case uh, not actually a Greek paganism. It's a German paganism. It's right. rooted in the place where Tannhauser finds himself. I believe. Fascinating. <laughs> this whole thing, though, about like the, it's the constant evolution um, or struggle between the sort of pagan traditions mm. and then the more evolved Christian or and it it, it can cont- it persists throughout a lot of cultural things like opera. I mean, yeah, and, and that this... it's that like good versus evil and. How does that get old versus new and right for sure and it, and there's this question of like how that gets interpreted right like Lorfeo, which we saw was you know pretty mm-hmm. um, and I think there's more to be said that about. was the very first opera yeah. ever written we listened to that last week and that uh, that opera has it just basically takes the pagan story and puts a Christian gloss on it right mm-hmm. there's no conflict exactly right, right. There's, just a, there's an attempt to synthesize the two as opposed to here where uh, you know, it's in a time when and a place where uh, traditional Christian morality is increasingly being questioned, and people are looking at these uh, pagan, you know, antecedents potentially substitutes, right? Mm-hmm. And you've got people like Friedrich Nietzsche, who are developing systems of I hesitate to call it morality, but I'm going to say something that replaces morality, um, that are based on this idea of Christianity is here now, but there was this thing here before, Mm -hmm. and we're going to do something new now, which 
may borrow elements from each of those two previous things, uh, but is going to be its own thing. So when you as say a rejection that of both, when you say that it's it, this is happening in a time, are you referring to the time in which the opera was set, or the time in which Wagner was writing it? In the time when Wagner was writing, in reality, Germany in the 12th through 14th centuries, um, Christianization was pretty thoroughly complete. Mm -hmm. uh, the great conflicts between Germanic paganism and Christianity in Germany were several hundred years in the past. And, uh, you know, the church had not yet faced its major challenges. Um, and so the authority of the Catholic Church in Germany was pretty unquestioned in the time. However, there was some lingering uh, evidence of, of the various pagan traditions. Mm -hmm. And places like Venusburg, places, you know, that had this association with... Did Venus, Venusburg is a fictional place? Well, or is Venusburg an actual place... There's there's an actual hill that like was thought to be where the goddess Holda resided, the goddess of spring. Um, in the 11th to 13th centuries. Well, it's still there. Really? <laughs> yeah, there's a little hill, but uh, but it's not like <laughs> it's like outside Munich. You're like, hey. <laughs> well, yeah, it's it's one of these. You know, there's 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 a lot of these like sacred places, and um, in the in the modern era, like as uh, as as neopagans. Paganism has arisen. People are trying to take these, you know, not doing the like Nietzsche thing, but like actually taking these old traditions and reviving them with, you know, of course, a, a certain amount of a modern twist, um, usually in the Department of Ethics. But um, but a lot of these sites that were unused for long times, like, you know, you go to Stonehenge on the summer solstice, mm -hmm. you're going to find people in all sorts of yep. outfits. Patchouli. You know, Dreadlocks, <laughs> the whole thing, Birkenstocks, uh, or robes and sandals and staves and uh, you know, uh, like hardcore made out of stuff, re recreationist type things. Yeah, I mean, it depends on where you go, right? I, I don't, I'm not aware of any such thing happening at, at Venusburg in particular, but you know, there is this this tradition of. Uh, European paganism, and as certain people were reaching for nationalism and or frequently dissatisfied with the restrictions of Christian ethics, uh, they would oftentimes move in these directions. Nietzsche in particular. Wagner was a, was a friend of Nietzsche, a mentor to some, in some uh, respects. Nietzsche eventually turned against Wagner. There's a lot of debate about exactly why. Nietzsche wrote two different books talking about why he was done with Wagner. Um, and had never really liked him in the first place. Wow. Yeah. That's like today's version of just like totally calling somebody out on Instagram or something. Yes. I think they would have had a really rough uh, Twitter, a war Twitter war if this had been happening today. <laughs> I think Nietzsche would have loved Twitter. <laughs> and, and I think you would have read them and you would have had no idea what he was on about. But like people would be arguing about it for centuries to come as they are about his books. Right. Yeah. Yeah, he would have loved Twitter. Okay. <laughs> All right, Grant, we got to get back to the music here. So um, basically what's going on in Act 1 of Wagner's Tannhauser is uh, Tannhauser is trapped in Venusburg, and he is uh, has not yet invoked the help of the Virgin Mary to help him escape from the profane love mm -hmm. that he's experiencing in Venusburg. So let's have a listen. 
you're listening to Opera for Everyone on 89.1 KHOL. It's about 10 to 10 on Sunday, July 23rd. I'm Keely Heron. I'm here with Grant Wright, and we are listening to Wagner's Tannhauser. And wow, that aria was so Wagnerian. Yes. (laughs) She does not sound like a lady you want to mess with. No. I mean, and she is pissed off. (laughs) Right, because yeah. in this in this scene in Act One here, Tannhauser has uh, been hanging out with Venus. Hey, or in the German version, it's Holda, the goddess of spring. Right. So they're in Venusburg. They've been like having a lovely time. Some would call it like hooking up. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. And he's like, "I love you, baby, but I got to go." And she's like, "What do you mean?" I, and she's not good at taking rejection. No, because like, she's like. Venus, the goddess of love, slash Holda, the goddess of spring. And doesn't get rejected all that often. No, it's yeah. like it's like Beyonce. <laughs> like when Jay-Z's stepping out on Beyonce, you know that there's a problem because <laughs> who steps out on Beyonce? Uh, Jay-Z, apparently. Apparently, yeah, but they got it all worked out. They got their new babies. Anyway, okay, so getting back to Wagner and Tannhauser. So that's kind of what's happening here. Tannhauser's like, peace out. Thanks for all the loving, but I got to get back to like reality or something, right? Right. Yeah, and it's yeah, it's again, it's echoing this this thing from from the Odyssey, right? Where it you know we we first meet Odysseus, right? Like the the first three books of the Odyssey don't feature Odysseus at all. It's just like they're on Ithaca and they're talking about what they're talking about, and everybody keeps talking about it. Everybody. So. Everybody keeps talking about Everybody's Odysseus. Everybody's talking about Odysseus. And they're all just like, oh, he's so great. He's so powerful. He's so strong. He's so manly, right? And like, that's mm-hmm. all you hear about Odysseus for like three chapters. And everybody's just like baseline assumption that if he showed up, there's like 300 dudes and he'd take them all on in a fight and beat them. Right. Out, and right? then he shows up and he's and then like. when you first see him, he's crying on a rock, right? Staring out into the ocean. What? Who does that? <laughs> Uh, I suppose uh, I never I've never sat on a rock crying (laughs) never it's it's a it's a very big R romantic thing to do Mm -hmm. little R romantic I suppose too but uh, big R not like the ranch and home almost anything (laughs) anyway okay so big R romantic free advertising here we gave Persephone a plug last time (laughs) big R is getting a plug this time I'll see if I can work a Volkswagen plug it's in later. It's the best jingle ever. I love that <laughs> jingle. Sorry. Okay. Go on. Big R romantic. Yeah. It's just, I mean, it, right. That's like if you're trying to think of the big R romantic sensibility, right? I mean, man crying on a rock, staring mm-hmm. out into the ocean, maybe He's a gray sensitive. sky, wind, mm-hmm. the woman who he oh. loves but can't love wandering behind him thinking, What's wrong with this guy? Yeah, like man up, cut off your ponytail and get a job. <laughs> I think that's basically Venus's attitude and basically uh, the uh, attitude of Odysseus's women. <laughs> but yeah, and so he he does he does eventually escape uh, by invoking the Virgin Mary, and it's interesting mm-hmm. that it's Mary, right? Um, and not Jesus. Not Jesus. Not God. It's it's Mary because she's the feminine counterpoint. She's the sacred love. Right. Versus the profane love of Venus. Uh, and the first thing he encounters, hilariously, is a shepherd singing a hymn to Holda. 
Mm. So he's escaped Venusburg, but, you know, Venusburg's got a presence on the outside right. here. Um, and so there's these these two songs that happen, where one is uh, the shepherd singing an ode to Holda. Mm-hmm. And then the shepherd gets quiet because there's a bunch of pilgrims coming, and he doesn't want to be, you know, caught singing odes to the pagan goddess, and the pilgrims are then singing a Christian hymn. And so you get the the pagan and the Christian Mm -hmm. songs immediately side by side here. Interesting. So we're going to... Do you want to listen to that Frau Holda song that was playing underneath when we were just talking? Do you want to go back to that, or do you want to just... I think we can can, uh, jump ahead to the Zudir Valik. How's my German? Uh, it sounds great to me, <laughs> Grant. To thee I turn, my Jesus Christ is the uh, the name of the song that the pilgrims sing, and Tannhauser is moved by emotion hearing it and drops to his knees and spends some time in prayer. Oh, so sweet. All right. Okay, so here we're going to listen to, and this is uh, just sort of a, a compilation of pilgrims, right, singing uh, hymns. Um, in Tannhauser by Wagner. You're listening to 89.1 KHOL, and this is Opera for Everyone.
KHOL Jackson. Good morning. You're listening to Opera for Everyone on 89.1 KHOL. And I'm Keely Heron, and I'm here with... Oh, I'm running out of ways to describe you, Grant. <laughs> with my... Uh, um, esteemed colleague. And with my esteemed colleague, Grant Wright, who is uh, the... Um, resident expert on all the things that I don't know anything about, like history and biblical theory and religious stuff and <laughs> opera. And we're listening to Wagner's Tannhauser this morning. And at the moment, Tannhauser is uh, wandering around somewhere between Venusburg and wherever he's trying to get back to. And he's encountered a group of pilgrims and a shepherd. And the pilgrims are singing about Jesus. And Tannhauser's like so moved by that. He just escaped from Venusburg where he was hanging out with Holda slash Venus, the goddess of spring. But he needs to get back to reality. Yeah. And so we're nearing the end of Act 1, and what's going to happen in Act 2? So, in the end of Act 1, he encounters some of his old buddies, and mm-hmm. they're like, Tannhauser, you've been, you've been gone, or Heydrich, I suppose, you've been gone for a while, where you been? Mm-hmm. And he's like, uh, I don't know, just stuff. I was oh, yeah. Busy. I, was... I had a thing. There was a thing? Had a, yeah, I had to, had to do some, some, some stuff. I was and... doing some stuff and stuff? Yeah. And uh, he doesn't want to exactly fess up. It's not like he was, right. you know. Uh... He he was kind of slumming. He was kind of slumming, <laughs> right? He was stepping out on, was there was there another lady in his life before he went to Venusburg? So, sort of. Um, yeah, Kind she's, of. She's, like, it's... it was like his high school sweetheart or something, and he's like, I got to go see the world and exactly. get my toes in the waters. And you know, get entrapped by a pagan goddess of love. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. You mm-hmm. know, like like happened to <clears throat> most of us during yeah. our spring Yeah, I mean, that happened rage. to me, sort of. Kind, not really, actually, but sort of. <laughs> I, I could tell you stories. Anybody can but relate shan't. to that. Um, so, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, yeah, Elizabeth is the name of uh, Tannhauser's, like, High school sweetheart, girl yeah. next door, the good girl. She's got a crush on him. He's got a crush on her. But um, it seems like they never did shack up or mm-hmm. whatever because she's a very good girl. Right. Um, she's not the uh, like like Venus Holder. Earthy. And, and she, yeah, she's she's you know she's like yeah in she's like, like she gets called an angel at one point mm-hmm. in the in the story. And, uh, yeah, I knew some girls like that in high school. Wasn't, yeah. wasn't really. Anyway, carrying <laughs> on. So, so, uh, basically, after he left, she kind of became reclusive. And everybody was sad because apparently she was, even though she was a good girl, she was a lot of fun to have at parties. And so everyone was really sad that she wasn't coming out. And she's, of course, you know, because it's a, romantic legend mm-hmm. she's a princess ah um, princess elizabeth princess elizabeth and she um so his, his friends just like tell him all this and he's like you know where i gotta get 
to Elizabeth. Right. Because they're like, dude, you left. Where have you been? You didn't tell anybody. We were worried. She's all bummed out. Like, flowers are dying. The birds aren't singing. (laughs) Our parties are boring. You're a jerk. Come on. And so he's like, oh, yeah, sure. Well, I'm done with that thing I was doing that okay. I'm not going to tell stuff, anybody about. And that other stuff, that stuff and stuff that I was up to. And so he comes back. And act two begins with the entry of Elizabeth, who is lovely. overjoyed She's that lovely. Tenhauser has returned. Right. And she doesn't ask him. Or does she? Yeah, she's just she's just mostly happy that She just there. forgives him. She's, she she's confused. She does she does ask him some questions, um, but he he skillfully he dodges, mm-hmm. and then she's like, you know what? I don't care. Yeah, right. She's like, hey Tannhauser, <laughs> where were you? And he's like, look, it's a yellow bird. And she's like, oh, I love yellow birds. Yes, and um, and I'm sure that'll never come up again. I'm sure no one will find out where he was. No, because that's how stories work. Because he's gonna just cover up his tracks. All right. Well, shall we make the transition to Act Two? Should we just? Excellent. How does How does Act Two begin? Uh, with With Elizabeth's entry, and you know, and we joy meet, at we meet her. meeting Hanhauser. Oh, all right. We're just gonna We're gonna skip ahead to Act Two, and we're gonna meet the beautiful Princess Elizabeth in Wagner's Tannhauser this morning on Opera. For everyone on 89.1 KHOL.
challenges and opportunities of climate change and other global issues. KHOL is supported in part by the Jackson Hole Center for Global Affairs, bringing together individuals and organizations to respond to the challenges and opportunities of climate change and other global issues of interest and concern to the community and the world. In an effort to increase awareness, Jackson Hole Center for Global Affairs will be screening the film The Age of Consequences about climate change and national security on Tuesday, August 1st at 7 p.m. at Center for the Arts. Tickets and more at jhcenterforthearts.org. Good morning. You're listening to Opera for Everyone on 89.1 KHOL Jackson. It's about quarter after 10 on Sunday, July 23rd, and this morning on Opera for Everyone, we're listening to Tannhauser, an opera in three acts by Richard Wagner that premiered in Dresden in 1845, and this morning we're actually listening to the Paris version that debuted in 1861 in Paris, and uh, this version that we're listening to today was recorded in 1989 at uh, the Royal Opera House in Covent Garden with Placido Domingo in the lead role of Tannhauser. And we've just heard uh, Princess Elizabeth welcoming Tannhauser back with open arms. And that last aria was an amazing display of sort of what Wagner does, I think, in this sort of soaring arias and amazing vocal gymnastics yeah because there is this this soaring sweeping nature to wagner that i don't know in it, it's a quite a contrast to uh, to last week's episode with uh laura fail right which was written 200 years prior to this right it was written in the 16 uh yeah that sounds yeah six i want to say 1608 yeah. yep um and yeah, and it's a, it's a totally different kind of of uh, of sound, mm-hmm. right? Um, it sounds, I mean, Orfeo sounded a lot like church music. Yeah, it, so, it, it sounds. It was very chamber baroque kind of. Yeah. I didn't particularly like it very much, to be <laughs> honest. But but Wagner's a, a whole different story. Yeah, well, I think Orfeo is like it's it's starting to develop opera as we know it. I mean, literally starting, right? Mm-hmm. And. Um, and it's it's using some older forms. It's using uh, choral forms. It's using the magical form. It's uh, and it's it's taking all of these uh, liturgical and other forms, and trying to turn them into something that's in its case blended very much with, with Greek drama. And by the time you get to Wagner, opera is a very developed. It's form. a full blown thing. And um, and you know Wagner's thing, right? Is he's got this just this excess to him, right? Mm-hmm. Like, in, in, just as in his life, right? He was like, <laughs> this was a guy who couldn't manage money. He, like, had the most confusing romantic and political and everything else life. And that's because, like, he was he was unrestrained. Mm-hmm. Expansive, just interested in everything. Yeah, and and um, <laughs> probably, probably a little too much, right? <laughs> and uh, and so it's in this vein that, that, uh, that his music is so... Right unrestrained inspiring and and broad and wide and like yeah and it's just like i mean you want to call it bombastic you want right. to call it simple you want to call it whatever you call it but well, like it's just it's powerful is what yeah it is. and then i mean we all know that scene in apocalypse now mm-hmm. where colonel kilgore is that his name i forget the played by robert duvall 
and uh, they're coming in to do a strike, and they play Wagner's Ride of the Valkyrie. Right. And, and so much of it is 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 like movie music. Sometimes it's used as movie music, and sometimes it's just like, I mean, you know, Ride of the Valkyries is at this point in pop culture, right? Where right. People use it more ironically than anything else because it's just so right. Um, but. But uh, but I mean, you can see the stamp of Wagner on modern movie music, right? Mm-hmm. Which has that that same bombastic, epic. unrestrained, right. epic kind of like uh, romantic. It's so exciting, Wagner. Yeah, uh, for sure. It's, that was the nerdiest thing I've said in a while. <laughs> Wagner is so exciting. Hey guys. Hey, but yeah, Wagner. you don't have to know anything about. I mean, like. I actually think Wagner is is a great entry point for people into opera sometimes. Yeah, because agreed. It, it is feels so modern. modern. The plots are you know powerful and accessible. Yeah. Um, Tannhauser and uh, you leaving know. Elizabeth, going to the dark side, tapping tapping that with the <laughs> Venus, and then coming back and being like, "Hey, what's up, baby? I was, I love you, girl." Uh-huh. And uh and we'll see how that works out for him. <laughs> okay, so getting back to the opera, we're at the beginning of Act Two. We've met the lovely, lovely Princess Elizabeth. And she's sung about Tannhauser's arrival. And uh I think we were thinking about uh doing the, the first dialogue between the two of them. Uh so, C Z right? Say Z in, in German. Gosh, my German needs a lot of work. Mm, it's so good, Grant. <laughs> Dort. Here, I'll do. I'll do the like really bad version. Uh, it, uh, the German title of this next aria is "Dort ist sie nahe." Maybe nigh. Dick ihr ungestort. Ungestort. That's a good German word. I have n- what does that mean? What does the Google machine say that means? Well, um, my translated libretto says that that means there she is. Approach her without fear. Um, this is this is uh, Wolfram, who's like, he's just like around. He's like one of Tannhauser's buddies. He's sort of the wingman. He thinks Elizabeth's kind of cute, <laughs> but he's trying <laughs> to help Tannhauser out. Like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he he sings later on, and the, there's a contest. Um, but uh, but he's there's just a contest like, which a, never happens in operas. Uh, yeah, they've got a song contest, which is sort of like a hilarious like a, conceit in an opera, isn't it? It's like a dance battle. Yeah, only, only. I mean the modern version I think would have a rap battle at about that point. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, so he, uh, he gets introduced by by his his uh, buddy and um, told you know go there she is. Yep. Approach her without fear. Yeah, and uh, and we'll we'll see how that goes for him. All right. Well, wish wish Tannhauser luck with the lovely Princess Elizabeth. I think he could use all the luck he can get. Yeah, you know, I I just have to say before we get started, the the version of this that I saw was the Met Live in HD that was pro- broadcast here uh, at the center last year sometime, yeah. and in that version, Tannhauser like. The guy that played him reminded me so much of Zach Galifianakis <laughs> that I just couldn't take him seriously. Like, I just, I couldn't take, I mean, imagine Zach Galifianakis playing this role. That's that's not my mental picture no. of, uh, of, of what he's like as a person, but yeah. No, but the guy did look like Zach Galifianakis. It was really hard to take him seriously. Anyway, so here we go. Here we go. We got Zach 
Galifianakis slash Tannhauser trying to woo the lovely Princess Elizabeth. Let's wish him luck. You're listening to Opera for Everyone on 89.1 KHOL Jackson.
You're listening to Opera for Everyone on 89.1 KHOL. It's Sunday, July 23rd, and it looks like it's going to be a, a nice day here in Jackson. We're it's a little overcast at the moment, but uh, the forecast is for sunny with a high near 86, light and variable wind becoming west-southwest to 5 to 9 miles per hour in the afternoon. And tonight, we're looking at mostly clear with a low around 48. Winds west-southwest at 5 to 8 miles per, per hour, becoming easterly after midnight. It's 10.30 on Sunday morning. You're tuned in to Opera for Everyone on KHOL. And I'm Keely Heron, and I'm here with my co-host Grant Wright. And this morning, we are listening to Wagner's Tannhauser. And uh, we're nearing the middle of Act 2. And Tannhauser has uh, escaped Venusburg. He's wandered around on a hillside, found some pilgrims and shepherds, returned to his home to the lovely Princess Elizabeth, and... Now what's going to happen, Grant? So uh, there's this song contest, and, you know, they could have picked some safe topic, like, what do you guys think about cheese? And they could have sung about that. Mm. But Yeah, that's a good rap battle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I've I like always Monster, Gouda. Poets have been mysteriously silent on the subject of cheese. Who doesn't love cheese? Right? It's kind of the opposite of opera. <laughs> But uh, he, uh, he, so he, um, uh, the, 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 the Landgrave, the local count, uh, he starts a, a song contest, and this topic is, who can explain the true nature of love? And uh, so uh, Wolfram, the kind of buddy sidekick character, um, the... Uh, yeah. He kind of is the Zach Galifianakis character. He, he, could, he could totally be played by Zach Galifianakis. And he um And then Tannhauser would be the the lead guy in Hangover. What was that guy's name? I have no idea. The cute one. I imagine Tannhauser looking like, you know, like young Leonardo DiCaprio, right? Like in like those early movies where he's got the like romantic i'm really not using my brain very much mm. but like don't i look pretty kind of thing mm-hmm. going on mm-hmm. yeah I'd, I'd buy that <laughs> so so uh so wolfram sings this song about how you know about about courtly love right you know that courtly love, love. courtly love yes that's, so that's like different from sacred or profane now we're getting into my parents think your parents are great, and we're the same age. And no, Corley Love Corley has as a specific set of conventions, which I probably don't have time to get too much into. But it's like the idea. Can you do the Twitter version of the, what is Courtly Love? <laughs> the 140 character version of of Courtly Love is that it's like the um, the romanticization of. Uh, um, I mean, fundamentally, it's the romanticization of the affairs that the nobility had back in the day, right? Like, um, we were talking about in the uh, Rosen Cavalier, mm-hmm. right? That's the, the where, Strauss opera. In, in, in Rosen Cavalier, the, the relationship between the, the Rosen Cavalier himself and uh, 
the the princess, right? Right. Uh, and the Rosen Cavalier was the bearer of the rose or the soldier of the rose and was yeah. the person who delivered the message that someone else would like to marry you. And so, like, he's, you know, helping her cheat on her husband, right? It's not like a good thing, right? They're not exactly being moral about it, right? Mm. But, like, there's something honorable in the fact that they're particularly in love. And there's right. something honorable about the fact that their, you know, feelings for each other are mutual. And there's something honorable just about the the power of the emotion. That there's something inherently noble in about love. Love, yeah. So, but but you know, Wolfram sings this song, and um, you know, it, it touches on these these notions of courtly love. But basically, it's this more chivalrous, more Christianized idea of love. Um, Tannhauser, of course, is obliged to respond in song, and uh, basically sings, "Wolfram, you have no idea what you're talking about." This is what love is like, um, and sings about you know. So Wolfram's probably like the twenty-seven-year-old virgin or something like that, right? <laughs> uh, I mean, he's naive. He doesn't. He's, he's he, compa- he has no game. Uh, I mean, he doesn't have really much game. That does kind of come up later, but uh, not in a major plot way. But like you know, he's always like hanging around Elizabeth, like. You need a shoulder cry on? And she's like, like no, oh, I'm good. <laughs> oh, hey, do, do your shoulders hurt? Can, do you want me to rub your shoulders? Yeah, but uh, but no, he um, he basically just uh, is, um, yeah, I don't know. He's, he's like more typical of the time, right? Like, you know, it's slightly transgressive occasionally, but like he's probably mostly just playing by the rules mm-hmm. as they're understood in this culture. Tannhauser then strikes up and starts singing about how love is unbridled passion, unrestrained, very Wagnerian, mm-hmm. right? Um, and that you can't, uh, you can't, you know, love unless you're, you're suffering. Um, and, uh, <laughs> and, you know, it's, um, yeah. And, and like, and, and in the course of this, he kind of like, uh, blasphemes a little bit right like the sense that like love is you know better than all the things right which you know better better than god better than morality better than civilization right and uh and then better than cheese and uh better than cheese even better oh. than cheese and how could uh, he say that how, how dare he and and then so like one of the other nights is like you know incensed at like what he sees as tannhauser degrading women by reducing them to objects of lust and they almost go at each other with swords it's actually interesting as a as a contrast with uh rosen cavalier right where again there's this idea of the 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 one knight right the rosen cavalier Mm -hmm. who is who has this idea of like noble beautiful love right and then on the other hand you've got the uh, ox baron Baron Ox, ox who stands as this idea of unrestrained carnality yeah hedonism and just like no respect for love except of course here the hero is more like baron ox yeah but it's not seen exactly as a good thing although you know wagner himself is ambivalent on this question and german nationalism broadly would be ambivalent on the question of like are we ultimately going to uh associate with this kind of Christian ideal, or are we going to ultimately associate with our pagan forebears, right? And of course, the historical direction it eventually took was, you know, uh, the pagan forebears, right? In 
kind is of that why everywhere I go around form. the world, Germans are always the ones that are naked? I am not going to weigh in on that. Because I feel like wherever <laughs> I go, you know, like it, whether it's Europe or if there's an opportunity to be naked, you're like, oh, look, it's the naked guy. And then they're all it's like when you're on the beach or you're in saunas or whatever, it's always the Germans. I mean, yeah, it's a they have, there's a different cultural attitude towards nudity. They 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 are in, in Europe generally. Um, True, but uh, yeah. Iceland too, probably. I don't know. It may, there may be a thing to, to Germanic cultures about it. I, I I certainly wouldn't wouldn't. Okay, but I digress. Sorry, I get distracted. <laughs> um, so what are we going to listen to next? We're gonna we're gonna move the plot along in Act Two, and uh, I think we talked about. I forget which one we talked about. Which one did we talk about, Grant? We 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 talked about the 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 bit about you know what what uh, Wolfram saying, what Tannhauser's saying, and uh, then there's this bit where you know everybody's like you know Tannhauser, you're in big big trouble, uh, you know we're gonna kill you, um, and he's there with his sword, and guess who comes to his rescue? Wolfram. Elizabeth. Elizabeth. Elizabeth says, no, guys, don't kill him. Let him don't go. Don't kill him. I love him. And so she sings this, uh, this, you know, she sings beautifully at the end of, of Act 2 about, you know, don't kill him. Let him go to the Pope and beg forgiveness for his sins. Because even though he has been in He's Venusburg, she loves him anyway. Jolene, Jolene. <laughs> Jolene, Jolene, right? It's yeah. a little bit of that. She's like Venus, and you know Cheryl's like, even though she doesn't really know that he was stepping out on her, mm-hmm. she knows that he's in trouble, and she doesn't care because she loves him. She just wants I can't, him back and wants him better. I I can't live without him. Yeah. Poor Elizabeth, so pure. All right, so let's listen to, and it's called Zurück von im Nicht ihr Seid sein Richter, which I really don't know what that means, but it's the German uh, version of um, Please Don't Kill My Man, I Love Him and I Can't Live Without Him. <laughs> Pretty Here much. On Opera for Everyone on 89.1 KHOL.
KHOL is now accepting applications for volunteer programmers. Have you always dreamed of being on the radio? If you have just two hours a week to volunteer with us, then you might be ready to join your community radio station. No experience is necessary. We offer a comprehensive training program that will get you ready for the airwaves. For more information, contact Zach at 733-4030 or check out 891khol.org. Clearly, no experience is necessary to do a radio program. Oh, good morning. It's uh, 10 to 10 on Sunday, July 23rd. You're listening to Opera for Everyone on 89.1 KHOL. I'm Keely Heron, and I am here with the imminently knowledgeable. Imminently <laughs> or eminently, Grant? Eminently. Eminently knowledgeable, Grant Wright. Unless it's that I'm about to be knowledgeable, in which okay. case it would be eminently. <laughs> eminently knowledgeable. Um, and we're listening to Tannhauser by Richard Wagner, which debuted in Dresden in 1845. And we've just uh, been listening to the lovely Princess Elizabeth defending Tannhauser's character against people who want to kill him because they think he's a bad guy. And she's like, no, don't kill my man. And then they're like, no, we want to kill him. And then what happens, Grant? Then he goes to Rome to seek forgiveness from the Pope. And he goes there and all the pilgrims are being forgiven. And and this is the, the medieval German legend here of, of Tannhauser's. You know, he was in Venusburg and had to go to um, to seek forgiveness from the Pope. And the Pope says to him, uh, no, you're hosed. You're, you're no forgiveness for He's you. He's like, sorry, buddy. Yeah, you're you're in thrall of a pagan god. I mean, no, you're you're done. And how did the Pope know? Because uh, Tannhauser explained, he confessed. He did. Oh, because yeah. he confessed. He's like, I got lured into this over the thing with this lady who's doing stuff, and the Pope's like, mm mm. Mm-hmm. The Pope Pope is Pope's not having any of it. Pope says. You know, this this staff in my hand, he says, the staff in my hand will turn back into a branch that it once was before you will ever have your redemption. Ooh, that, that, he, that's, that's harsh. Which is, which is a harsh, harsh words from Mr. Pope. And, uh, and Tannhauser leaves. And in the original German legend, Tannhauser leaves. And the moment after he leaves, the staff in the Pope's hand sprouts leaves and becomes a branch once Shut again. Shut it. And Pope Get says, out. Pope says, oh, uh, clearly I don't know God as well as I thought I did. And he sends his guys to run after him. But it turns out that Tannhauser has already mysteriously vanished back into <gasps> Venusburg. He got sucked up into the earth. However, that's not how the Wagner play ends. Okay, because Wagner, Wagner's got his own version of everything. <laughs> he's, he's got his own style. Uh, and, and so what happens with in the Wagner version? is that he goes back home and he's so distraught because mm-hmm. the Pope has said, you're done, you know. And uh, he gets he gets home and he's like, tells his friends all about what happened and his friends are like, uh, that's, sucks to be you. Sucks to be you. Oh, by the way, Elizabeth's really sick. And, uh, you know, Townhauser says, well, everything's going badly. You know what? Venus, take me back. And Venus said, What a jerk. You called 
So he's like stepping out. Like, okay, so let's just recap here. So at the beginning, <laughs> Tannhauser's like in love with Elizabeth. She's super in love with him. It's all like lovey-dovey, high school sweetheart kind of business. But they haven't actually ever like kissed or done anything. He goes and like is like sowing his wild oats in Venusburg with the goddess of spring, <laughs> Holda, right? And then uh. he like starts to feel really guilty. And so then he's like, oh, I'm going to pray to Jesus and Mary and... Then I'm going to go back and Elizabeth is going to just sort of be like, where were you? And he's going to be like, look, it's yellow bird. And she's like, I love you. (laughs) And then everybody else. And then Wolfram, the Zach Galifianakis character says, okay, Tannhauser, Heinrich, whatever. Like, here's Elizabeth. Just go for it. Don't be afraid. She'll still love you. And then everybody else finds out that Tannhauser is kind of a jerk and they want to kill him. And she's like, no, don't kill him. Go to Rome, ask for the Pope's forgiveness. So he goes to Rome, asks for the Pope's forgiveness, comes back. She's really sick. And he's like, I'm going to just peace out over here to my homegirl, Venus, and we're just going to live happily ever after. Is that how it is? Uh, That's uh, fundamentally what goes on. But then Elizabeth dies. Oh. And... The libretto goes really... Does she die of a broken heart or like what? It's unclear. Unclear. But Tannhauser dies of a broken heart almost immediately afterwards. Um, and Maybe and... he gave her like some kind of a <laughs> you never problem know. after he was back in the underworld there with Venus. It, it's true. I don't know exactly what how safe their practices we are. We don't have any underworld. data from the 18th century. And certainly not from Venusburg. But right. In any event, in some way, Elizabeth's death both breaks his heart, but it also saves him. It also convinces him to, like, you know, tell Venus to be gone. I suppose Venus even just takes off without being told be gone. And, uh, and he's, he's left to fade away um, because, you know, his love is gone. But he fades away into bliss rather than fading away into oblivion so um life's just not fair it's she dies and like he's like i'm just gonna go hang out and this is the ending being changed to make it a happy ending right weird (laughs) wagner's a weird guy he's so weird okay so we've got just a few minutes left here on uh opera for everyone on 89.1 khol you're listening to Wagner's Tannhauser, and here we are going to listen to the end of Act Three. Willkommen, ungetreuer Mann. What does that mean, Grant? That's welcome, unfaithful man. Welcome back, unfaithful man. That's, uh, that's Venus saying, like, I'm hey. taking you back, right. but I'm still mad at you. Right. <laughs> Tannhauser's, he's screwing up, but ultimately he's kind of winning. Somehow. Somehow. Even though he seems to mostly be a passive vessel in the battle between the two women. <laughs> passive vessel. I like that. All right. It's 10.55 on Sunday morning, July 23rd. This is the last couple of songs from Wagner's Tannhauser on Opera for Everyone, 89.1 KHOL.
Broadcasting from the center, 89.1 KHOL Jackson. Support for KHOL comes from Center for the Arts, presenting Dawes on July 25th. Tickets online at jhcenterforthearts.org. Broadcasting from the center, 89.1 KHOL Jackson. Support for KHOL comes from Center for the Arts, presenting Dawes on July 25th. Tickets online at jhcenterforthearts.org. Support for KHOL comes from the Grand Teton Music Festival in Jackson Hole, presenting seven weeks of classical music this summer. This week's lineup includes string quartet Brooklyn Rider on Tuesday, July 18th, and pianist Yefim Bronfman with the Festival Orchestra on July 21st and 22nd. Visit gtmf.org for more information and tickets. Support for KHOL comes from the Grand Teton Music Festival in Jackson Hole, presenting seven weeks of classical music this summer. This week's lineup includes string quartet Brooklyn Rider on Tuesday, July 18th, and pianist Yefim Bronfman with the Festival Orchestra on July 21st and 22nd. Visit gtmf.org for more information and tickets.
KHOL 89.1 Jackson Hole Community Radio. This is the Grand Table. Thought that Monk originally composed that tune sometime in uh, 1940 or 1941, however. A cat named Harry Columby claims that Monk may have written an early version around 1936. That was round midnight. First rec- uh, recorded, Monk first recorded that in 1947, Blue Note. The Genius of Modern Music, Volume 1, and then recorded it several times after that. So that was round midnight. 